This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. your host, Mark, and myself, Paul, Gavin from Indy Kilt, and Chris, who's involved with Celtic Australia's Football Club, will be joining us on today's show. We'll be discussing various topics that are relevant to Celtic football at the moment. Firstly, Mark will just do a few shout-outs to our local subscribers. Mark? Yes, thanks, Paul. I'm really looking forward to today's show, I've got to say. Uh, the usual shout-outs to Tim Alloy, Richie, Mark, and Young Ben. Uh, I'd like to also thank Celtic Australia's Twitter for setting us up with Chris and Gavin, and big, big thanks to both of them for joining us. The links to other sites and their social media stuff and that helps on the description box below. So let's show them a wee bit of support back, begin them a wee follow and things like that. And remember, please subscribe to the channel and remember to smash the like button. So we move on again, just welcome Chris and Gavin to the show. Uh, as I said, Gavin runs the Indie Celtics blogs where he, he writes pages for them. Chris plays football for Celtic Australians in Australia. Uh, Chris is originally from Clydebank in Scotland. Uh, firstly, I come to you, Gavin. Tell us about the Indie Celtic blog uh, that, that oh. you the right you involved in. Um, I write the blog. I've um, been doing it for about five years now. So... Um, it's a lot of fun. I just see whatever everyone's saying and uh, put my own spin on it. Um, I, I don't read anything in the record or in the sun. Um, I got so sick and tired of listening to the crap. And <laughs> no, but the endless anti-Celtic inflection, I thought, you know, um, I'll do a bit of writing myself. And then it started off as a bit of a hobby, and now it's like more of a pastime. <laughs> like I, I, I'll, get, I'll get cranky if I don't get to, to say something about whatever. Mind you. Um, from about November through till March, um, I didn't write a thing because I was morbidly depressed and um, I just couldn't bring myself to get on and write negative stuff about Celtic. Then the whole Eddie Howe thing came back, you know, oh, you know, it's the positivity's coming back. Oh, we're getting this man in. We're going to sell these players. We're going to get this war chest. I've been back at the writing, but like, honest to God. It's just been a, an absolutely horrible year. It's been a great year for a writer if you enjoy writing about negativity because negative stories generally do better in the news than positive ones. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I enjoy to write. I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy to uh, admin Facebook pages. I love myself. So, yeah. Any whole situation came as a big shock to everyone, Gavin, didn't it? When that kind of collapsed, didn't it? Everyone thought that was nearly a done deal by... Uh, look, uh, for mine, um, I think uh, you know there's so much of that that we're not being told. But let's yeah. start at the beginning. He's verbally agreed. He's agreed in principle. He's doing due diligence on Celtic. This, 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 the other. You know. Then next thing you know, we're being told we're waiting until he comes out of a gardening leave period. We're getting fed bullshit, bit by bit by bit, on a drip feed for yeah. six eight weeks or something like that. I'll, I'll just say one thing with this whole fiasco. Have a look at Chelsea. 
You know what I mean? Chelsea had a club legend in, in Frank Lampard running this um, club. Exactly. They, they were going bad. What did they do? They gave the tough medicine. They sacked him. They got um, uh, the new manager in. Um, they, they won the bloody Champions League. They're, they're playing in Europe next year. No, they were, they were mid-table and adrift. Why the hell in October? You know, I mean, did we not see the writing on the wall, sack Lennon and get 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 a new man in? Like in, in this season of all last season of all seasons, to just throw the white towel in, and then after well after January, okay, you can mathematically keep him on until uh, the New Year's Day derby. We we shit the bed then, and what do they do? They decide not to change him again. They wait until we, we, we clamber for a heap of results, dropping points to Livingston back to back. Like absolutely no movement. Now and now, still we're waiting. Now, like obviously, Ange Postecoglou is in the frame. Being being seen um, today and yesterday, there's like basically the terms have been personal terms have been agreed. Also, that he's um, um, the compensation deal has been agreed with uh, Yokohama. But like, I mean, your man's still not standing out the front with the scarf up. What no, exactly. Exactly. Mark, do you have anything to add to, to Gavin? Oh, no, I'll just stone your goal, Paul. You keep rolling, bud. So, first, um, we're going to move on. Explain that, Paul, that Gavin's actually in Sweden. Yeah, that he's actually... Uh, stay in Sweden, Gavin. Uh, yeah, I'm married to Sweden. Uh, but were you just over there and you went into lockdown and can't leave the way you were saying earlier? Oh, uh, sort of. I'm not that bad. I can go back home and I can spend two weeks there. But with my, because we're married and we've got the, um, like you know the what's called upper hall steel stand. It's a like permission to stay here. Um, if I spend three years in Sweden basically without leaving, they'll give me a passport. So it's not the worst time to get stuck here. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going to keep on. Oh look, I'm not going to. Has that kind of affected your writing? Or, or oh, it's been great. Is, is, it, is it to source information? Oh, you're in Europe. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's much better. I'm an hour behind. Um, so, like at the moment, well, I'm an hour in front. It's three o five here in Sweden. So, like, I wake up and uh, I get on the um, the net, and uh, all the news is there. Um, like an hour before, um, well, uh, one hour before, like your release date. Obviously, lots of news goes to air six, seven, eight o'clock. You know, so it's it's handy for that. And um, as well as this, look, I love Europe. You know, I don't want to twist the knife to Scottish readers and that have been forcibly taken out of Europe. But I'm not far off. I'm about three months off a European passport, you know. So I'm happy enough with that. Um, like, uh, I love the EU. I love the people. I love the culture over here. Um, the, the multiculture, there's people from everywhere. And, you know, it's wonderful. Like, I'll always be in Australia. I'll always be there for me. But... Um, you know, I've had my days, so I'm I'm pretty happy to stay here now. I suppose one of the best things is that you wouldn't have big spiders over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just one thing, Irish people, man, seriously, you guys here are afraid of everything. No, like, no, no, it's like, you know, will that bite you, will that kill you? Yes, of course it will, it's Australian. Everything will kill you in this place. You swim with like sharks and jellyfish and octopus. <laughs> You know, you like you go for a walk. There's spiders and snakes. Like you think kangaroos are friendly animals? No, they're not. <laughs> They'll kick the crap out of you. Everything's dangerous in Australia. Even the feral animals. We got wild goats. <laughs> They'll kill you. Everything will kill you. A destination I think twice. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, so I, do. I, I just move on to, to Chris there again. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, Chris plays with. Self- Celtic Australis, he's made 117 appearances, 40 goals, 25, 22 assists, 
nine man to watch your watch. He's classified as the Rolls Royce of defensive midfielder. I thought from his club, Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, what's your take on Celtic last season and the way we're moving forward? Uh, no, thanks very much, guys. It's really, um, I'm really glad to be on. Um, look, um, yeah, it was just a shambles uh, last year. I mean, we all obviously had great hope that we were going to um, you know, go on and win the 10 and, and hopefully get another treble. But I think, you know, when, when COVID hit, uh, I think Celtic had a, a great bit of momentum. You know, they were going to, obviously going to Ibrox um, at the tail end of last year. I mean, everybody was really, really hopeful that we were going to go there and go further, further ahead. And then uh, COVID hit, and then I just think that certain players just, you know, um, te- basically teared off. So, you know, I think the, 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 the three-month break really had an effect on certain players, in particular Scott Brown. I think he provided a major, major effect. And I appreciate that all these guys are fit and I think Celtic put things in place. But um, when the season kicked off, it was a massive expectation. Fans know in the stadium. Um, and I just think that Celtic just maybe thought that it might have been a foregone conclusion. Rangers got all their, their ducks in a row. And um, I just think that Celtic were just hoping that something was going to kick off. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's funny when you actually look back and you think... Um, you know, after the Hamilton game, the first game of the season, you're thinking 5 1, we've ran yeah. by it, we've done really well. And then you go away to Kilmarnock, and you know it's a hard place to go, and, you know, and then the, the whole ball and goalie scenario, and then Celtic lose a few games where they, they can't play. And I just think that Celtic are playing catch up. And look, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, I think if it was maybe two or three years ago, we might have got away with it. But, um, you know, I think the other end of the city took full advantage of that. And, the fans obviously weren't they really uh, buying into the fact, even even when we won the, the treble treble when when Lennon was was appointed the manager, I think a lot of fans were a hundred percent behind them, and I think that can sometimes carry into the the players. And now that we're hearing, you know, with, with Christopher Ayer coming out and saying that you know there was an agreement made a year ago that he was going yeah. to, meet. Um, and and if that is the case, then you've got to assume even though we don't know, but you've got to assume that your Ryan Christie's, your Edwards, uh, your Olivia and Shams, they were probably told the same. And you know what it's like. And that's why they kind of down tools then, like when they want left Gordon and start the blouse yeah. season. When, yeah. Well, well, don't get me wrong, I do, I do think that obviously the players on the field, you know, they, 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 they do obviously try their, try their best. I don't think that they ever, ever went on the part and didn't, didn't do what they, they were meant to do, but... You know, it doesn't matter if you play professional football, it doesn't matter if you play semi-pro or if you play at the level that, that, that I'm playing at. If you're a part of a team and, and, and the chemistry's not right and you don't get on with this guy and you don't get on with that guy, uh, you don't want to be grinning every day at your work no feeling good. So I just think that, you know, OK, in hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, obviously, we don't know exactly what can happen, but it looks like maybe, a, maybe Lennon or whoever the manager would have been I think should have been a bit more stronger and said, look, it's one of the biggest seasons. We've been shouting about it for many, many years and we've got to make a statement. And I just think asking players like Edward and I are just to stay, just to give the fans 10 in a row, um, you know, OK, if it worked out, fantastic. But I just think that now in hindsight, um, it was a bit, of, a, a bit of a mistake. And look, it went from really bad to worse. You know, every single week you were thinking, right, OK, we're going to kick off Ross County beat us. Then we went yeah. to golf. We go we go twelve games without without um, without winning. Or I think we won two. Sorry, and then we get a glimmer of hope. We go away to Lille with a great performance in Lille, and then it just for whatever reason it just wasn't kicking 
and all for a fight. Um, unfortunately, as well, once again, you're never ever going to know everything, but I just think that we probably put our eggs in one basket. We thought three five two was a formation. We ended it at the end of the year. Uh, we brought in Shane Duffy. We've got the players that can play that formation. And then, um, you know, a couple of games in, a lot of, a lot of fans were asking serious questions about Shane Duffy. James Forrest gets injured. You know, is Ed, is Edward look? Um, does, does he look interested? And I just think that one thing led led to another. And eventually, before you know it, you're going into the old fun game. Let's just say the, the Glasgow Derby. Let's just say, uh, but you're going into that game in, in in January, and you're absolutely desperate for that win. And uh, when that never happened, you know, once again, then to go to Dubai, it was just one thing after another. And that's another I think it's just going back to what Gavin said as well, like there was some things happening behind the scenes that we'll never ever know about either, Chris, you know? Oh, oh, 100%. You know, there's no doubt about it. You can go and speak to mates back home and people that are inside the club and whatever else. You'll never ever know. Uh, I mean, there was always a, a major talk about John Kennedy and Lennon not getting on. Um, but mm-hmm. how, how do we know that? But um, I just think that players in particular, I can only talk from a, a player perspective and, you know, you know what it's like when players come in and if players want to leave it's very very hard to, 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 to turn them um, and you know I just think it was a it was a, it was a mistake especially after the Ferran Farrar's game when he came out and he, and, he, and he made the comment that players wanted to leave I, once again I, I might have my, my dates wrong but I'm, I'm almost certain we were still within a transfer window uh, yeah. I think if he, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. so I, I think if we knew that certain players wanted to move on I just think that we should have just took full advantage and went, look, it's not what the Europe's going to be, you know, uh, the second priority. Let's bring a few players in. But once again, hindsight's a wonderful thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. One thing, just going on what you said there, um, yeah. basically the, the transfer window was open until bloody sometime in September, October because of COVID. Because of the COVID, COVID. Yeah. yeah. We had, like those games, those qualifiers were in like August. We got humped by Buddy Fair and Chavarish. And he come out and he said that either the club's got to make a decision, you've got to sell those want away players, or you've got to change the manager. Yeah, you're in that absolute Y shape there, right away. Which way are you going, right or left? Because someone's got to go. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, you've got a manager who's lost the dressing room. It's absolutely. That we were saying that straight away, Gavin. I said for Mark that we think Neilen lost the dressing room on that day when he came up and said that players who want to leave, just leave. Or Mark, you're going to lose the dressing room after you've kind of said that, really, aren't you? Right. Yeah, but, but, so, in fact, one of the two. The, the, the yeah. thing is, as well, you know, we, we, we have um, a, a scenario where years ago we would absolutely love if I, if I, I mean, I mean, I'll give you Gordon Spike was the perfect example. The amount of people that would speak to me on a daily basis about how they did not like Gordon Stratton. They wanted him to be a, yes. uh, a bit of a figurehead and, 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 and rip into players. But Gordon Stratton, you know, would, would would rip into the players behind the scenes. He, he protected them in front of the media. And, you know, sometimes you can't win. I think Lennon's decided... I, I, need to, I need to let the, the fans know, I need to let the board know, I need to, I need to let the club know that 
there's players that don't want to be here and there's a real good reason why things aren't clicking now. Whereas if you look at the previous year when Lennon was coming in, you know, everybody was, was singing off the same hymn sheet. You know, I mean, in Chan, I mean, in Chan was absolutely unbelievable under under Lennon uh, last year. Obviously not that year, but the year before. Uh, and he's a different different player, you know. And and the, the, the same with Ryan Christie and the rest of them. But I think that for Celtic to go into this season thinking three five two was the answer, <clears throat> and they couldn't change it. Um, I think that was a a big big mistake. And look, don't get me wrong, we changed to the diamond. Uh, and, it, and it certainly worked. I mean, we went to Ibrooks, and I thought we were, we were brilliant at Ibrooks. And you know, nine times out of ten, you go to any part, and you're no losing a goal at that with Callum McGregor. But the diamond worked. But I think the unfortunate thing is, you go away to Dubai, you come back, the media's on top of you, Lennon's under pressure as much as he has anyway, and it just once again, just it was just the, the, the snowball effect. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I, I want to also um, go on something that, that Gav said earlier on. Um, I actually genuinely believe if Celtic had the opportunity to appoint somebody uh, in October, uh, when 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 the Celtic fans were were, were kind of seeing what was happening in front of us, I think okay. Celtic would have done it. But the reason why I don't think they would have, uh, and I was speaking to a few boys about this a few days ago, was I, I think Celtic would have would have at least had a conversation with I don't know if it was a Gordon Slack or a Matt Neil or whoever it may have been. Uh, obviously, on the outside, it looks like we've been um, very loyal to Lennon, and, and look, they have been. I think that's it as well. I think that's it as well, Chris. That it was but, all down to loyalty and his commitment to the club that he gave us over the years by didn't second. Yeah, but but I, I think that Celtic probably could not replace him. That's the thing. I think if Celtic mm-hmm. had the opportunity to go, do you know what? Eddie Howe's available straight away, or ah. Uh, you know, a Mark Manil's available straight away and maybe can give a bit of a, a kick to the team then we'll go and do it. But as far as I'm led to believe, we spoke to a few people during that time period and, uh, man, uh, you know, managers just, just didn't want to come in. And um, that's why I, I believe they persisted with Lennon. And it, I think it got to the stage where I think the board realised that, you know, it, it can't get any worse and obviously it, it did. Um, and and I've, I've obviously got a massive soft spot for Lennon. I think Lennon... Yeah, as everyone would, yeah, exactly. You know... <clears throat> I mean, you know, came into the club when when Mowbray was was was, was let go, um, and, and definitely revitalised the club. But I just think that you know, ten years ten years on, it's hard to then recreate that again because you think when he was appointed, he had a siege mentality. When he was appointed, you know, Brennan Rodgers had created a tremendous yes um, amount of work behind the scenes, and there's no doubt in my mind that a Lennon, a character of Lennon, would have wanted to have done it his own way. And I think that that can sometimes put players off when you start to, to change things, do you know what I mean? Gavin, do you think it was, like, with the standards we've seen, Brendan Rodgers came to club, we've seen that we were coming practically at an English Premier League club because of the experience in the Premier League. Do you think, well, they're kind of a more relaxed approach in the club when Lennon was appointment, that the, the, the standards dropped that Brendan Rodgers brought to the club? Oh, well, obviously... The whole thing is obviously we've, we've downsized with this. You can't say that Brendan Rogers to like you know whoever's around about and available at the moment, who used to be the manager or something like that, is anywhere near the same level. Have a look at what Rogers has done with Leicester. Yeah, I mean, and you, the one thing which drives me nuts every time I see Leicester play, I watch a bit of English football from time to time, a bit of eye candy, and you see that Timothy Castan or Castanio, however it's said. Yes. So we were linked with him um, to bring him in, and uh, the board said, no, nah, no, no, we're not paying like eight, nine million euros or something like that. You watch him play for Leicester, he bosses it. 
absolutely bosses it. He's an absolutely brilliant wee player. You know, like we could what, have what, now about 20, 30 million oh, Minimum, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, depending on what game you're running for. Yeah. And then you've got like friggin', you know, like it looks like Edward's moving there uh, um, at the moment. You have a look at John McGinn, how he's playing with Villa and everything like that. We 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 cheaped out on a couple of hundred thousand for that. You know what I mean? We go yeah. up and meet his valuation the first day. He's playing for Celtic. You know what I mean? And now with Bruni moving on, he's moving straight into that role and bossing the midfield. And we're having him for a few years and we're selling him for Dembele dollars in a year or two's time. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, like, like what Lul has done, seriously, like you know, to the club over the last couple of years, he, he basically drove Brendan out of the club. I'm not going to actually say anything nice about Rogers, but like, because um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm deluded in the sense that I still never, ever, ever believed that he was going to leave. No, no, he's not going to leave. No, he's, he's a Celtic fan. No, yeah, he's, I thought he'd stay for the 10, no. like, wouldn't you? Yeah, I will stay for the 10, Andy. That, I never thought yeah. Tierney would leave either. I miss that, yeah, but, and it's like, literally, I'm looking at the world through green and white glasses. Yeah, I mean, I felt naive and stupid. I remember I come home from work, I clicked on the computer, and up comes Brendan Rogers uh, at Leicester. Oh, stood up and we did it. I did a lap of the block. Went out, get some fresh air. I couldn't believe it. You know, and what I couldn't believe was, A, that we let things get to that state, and B, that I was stupid enough to believe that he wouldn't go really hurt me I, and since then like I mean you ever look at it we've sold so much of the tall timber and we haven't and we've replaced it with saplings like I mean now yeah. one thing going on with what Chris said with uh, us playing the diamond like we played it magnificently at Ibrox in January you have a look at it, what was it in March or maybe early April or something when we played it there John Joe Kenny mate is not a freaking wingback my god were we so exposed yeah, how the hell did he maintain his place in the team over and over exactly. and, over again? and on, on the other side that Diego lacks out, like he got hooked at half time for crying out loud. The two of them were abysmal. And uh, you can't play the diamond without decent um, uh, wing backs. And at the end of the day, you have a look at it. This is going back in Chris, the you know, fantastic chronology before of, of what went wrong. And of course, it all started with Bolongoli. It started with him going away. And it was the SFA were sitting there waiting for him, the SPL, the whole red top media to slam him. Boom, straight away, he was um, sent out of the club. Um, we missed a couple of games. We're playing catch up, all the rest of it. Look what happened with Patterson. Patterson got caught by the police, man. Caught yes. by the police with a heap of others. And what happened? It was something like about 60 days or something. It was two months. They, they put in these dodgy appeals and this, that, the other, taking the absolute piss, and they got away with it. Laughing at our faces is a two-tiered uh, um, form of uh, judgment. It still pisses me off now. But the thing is, when Bolongoli left, you've got to remember, we had Tierney in his position. We brought Bolongoli to replace Tierney. And then we had um, Bolongoli's backup in Taylor. You know what I mean? Over there. Like, I mean, have a look at what we lost. You know what I mean? And then, you know, we sold Frimpong mid-year. My God. If you're going to sell Frimpong mid-year, yeah, I mean, why on earth do the clean out? Get rid of Christie, get rid of Edward. Yeah, I mean, if McGregor wants away, sell him. And why wasn't this done in the first window? It's just chaos. I don't know. And you, you can imagine, though, what would have happened if he, if he did get rid of the, the Deadwood. The fans would have been thinking, what the hell has happened here? I mean, you look at the... the, the yeah, exactly. And, um, but ball and goalie does what he does. Every single Celtic fan at that point were thinking not a single soul can 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 upset the potential of ten in a row. So you, you you applaud Neil Lennon for going right. You move him on. I mean, look, the reality is 
Um, in the January, we had already tried to get Diego Lax out. So, uh, Baldwin goalie, no doubt in my mind, would have known that Celtic were trying to bring in another left back anyway. Huh. It, so, so when Baldwin goalie does what he does and Lennon decides to, to move him on and make a bit of a, a, an example, once again, I'm not saying the way Gerard dealt with his players breaching a COVID thing was right or wrong, but he had the opportunity to go down a different route, which was, OK, yep, they've done wrong, uh, they're going to be punished, but I need to put the arm around them. Now, look at Baldwin goalie. Baldwin goalie is best mates. There's no doubt about it. You can, you can go back and you can watch... Celtic TV, uh, the Celtic uh, Instagram feeds. Ball and goalie was best mates. We are in Chams, uh, and Edwards. So, so if you if you're in Cham or in Edward and you see that your 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 teammate has been made an example of, once again, it doesn't matter who you are, you you, you take offence to that, and then before you know it, you're not on the manager's side. Um, right. Do, 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 do Teams started cast after the crumble around then as well, Chris, didn't they? Yeah. Around the, the Vargoli thing, it started to really crumble, as you said there. Like, and Cham and Edward kind of slip off then as well, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, I think, look, don't get me wrong, I think still to this day, Lenny did the right thing. You know, he, he, uh, the story was that he gave, a few pl- uh, he gave the players a few days off, ball and goalie broke protocol, and Lenny realised that, look, this just doesn't happen on my watch. And I think he did do the right time, eh, the right thing at the right time. I also believe that if Paul Angoli was part of his plans, he, he would have probably done exactly what exactly. Gerard had done. But he wasn't part of his plans. He had Greg Taylor. They wanted Lax out six months prior. They were getting Lax out, and, and it made sense to move him on and try and get him out of the club. And once again, I just think it did me. For, for Lennon, for the players, it just never worked because then you've got two games postponed. You're playing catch up. You can't find the right formation. And it once again just keeps on going on and going on and going on. Um, but, you know, it's, um, it's obviously in the past now, isn't it? Mark, it's just going by um, what Gavin was saying there about the different standards in in, in the, the, the Scottish affair. Like we spoke about that the other day about uh, the Scotland team, the, the lads being in close contact with the fella Fleck, and they're saying that, that he wasn't. And it's, it's different standards, Mark. Isn't it? That we we've spoken numerous times in the podcast, but it, it it doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon, Mark. So it doesn't. No, it definitely doesn't look as if it's going to be changing. But we've certainly been held to def- held a different standard and really not just Rangers but the Scottish football we've been held to different standards over this Covid stuff and that I mean there was mind Aberdeen had eight players that get into trouble there as well we may get suspended but still wasn't really no matter anything we done we're getting into trouble for I mean that people were against the Dubai trip and that I think that was just blown out of proportion as I've said before Paul because we had the permission to go and do it and then there was a couple mm-hmm. of Scott Browns sitting next to Neil Lennon having a beer. And then fast forward a few months, a few weeks, and you've got Rangers players at parties, all stoning, mm-hmm. with beers and with total strangers. It was just, I was, a, it was weird. The Celtic never come out and question these things. They've not got, they don't have the, the kind of backbone. See if the shoe was another foot, and Rangers had oh. treated the way Celtic had been. Rangers would have had statement after statement after statement about. Oh, they double down. Straight away, double down and fucking start yelling and screaming. Oh, it's everyone else's fault. Oh, you're victimising me. Oh, the boys were just, you know, being social. Oh, in this day and age, blah, blah, blah. Honest to God, have a look at them in freaking George Square. There's bloody 15,000 going around there, freaking bottles at the police, you know, calling everyone in in a paramedics uniform a fiend bastard, freaking pissing everywhere they could find. 
eating the living stuffing out of each other. And then what happens? They come out and say, oh, you can't say this. It's victimization of rangers. But what happened in Australia or Sweden? If that if something like that happened, there was a crowd causing that kind of chaos in a public place. In Australia, it was much different to Sweden. In Sweden, it'd be like, oh my God, in Australia, there'd be the freaking SWAT team would be out, mate. Honestly. Yeah, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. No. Any club like that at your matches, Chris, the Celtic Australian matches. I've seen a great one there. Uh, I, I anticipated the, the, the Celtic Australian's ultras are out, and there was two fellas underneath an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. I thought it, I I thought it, was, I it was brilliant. You know? uh, just go yeah, back I to your know. club. Was, yeah. was, it, was it founded on the, the, the 10th of April in 2014? Am I right? Yes, it was. So basically, um, the, the the formation of the club was very, very authentic. A um, bunch of boys that had been playing five aside and, you know, 11 aside uh, for many, many years. And um, uh, a, a few guys decided, right, look, why don't we you know, start, our own, start our own league now? I think what we wanted to do is we wanted to be part of the, the Perth Celtic Supporters Club. Um, you know, we we, we 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 thought there was a there was an in there, um, and, and 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 try and build that brand, um, and you know it, it it just didn't really work out the way we wanted it to work out. So we kind of went back to the drawing board, and uh, we thought to ourselves, well, you know what, Let, let's do something a bit different. You know, what I mean, let's go and you know do something a, a bit more uh, radical, and um, we came up with uh, the, the, the 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 badge, the name. Uh, the, the format, everything was completely um, off a off a, a blank canvas, and uh, we, we we wanted to create a football club genuinely uh, for for everybody. You know, anybody could come down. Didn't matter if you were a tremendous football player. Didn't matter if you just wanted to be part of the squad and just knock the ball about on a on a Wednesday night. We genuinely had that ethos, and what what we found, which was very very important, was after a couple of weeks. Everybody, and I mean every single body, uh, it, did it feel like a big family? There was no um, uh, individuals. There was no. There was no. Um, uh, everybody was basically uh, on on the team, and they wanted to win. Um, I think we started off in the Metro Saint Division, uh, if that if that serves me right. Yeah, you did and, and, and look, you know, we could have easily started off a lot lower because, like I said, you know, a lot of boys came together that um, that didn't. Um, that hadn't played with each other before, boys that had literally only played five a side, and guys like myself that, you know, had been playing football since the age of five. And um, we, we, we thought, oh, we'll start off in Div 2, um, and then we got ourselves up to the Premier. Uh, and in the year that we were actually in the Premier, uh, we got to a semi-final of cup, uh, and I think we finished fourth, which at the start of the year, we were probably uh, favourites to be uh, to be in the relegation zone, but relegation, we certainly yeah. we 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 brought in a few players that well that, that, that done exactly what we what we needed, and uh, aye, it was it was it was it was brilliant, and you know the club is just a tremendous club to be a part of, absolutely tremendous, and and you know you can see with the Twitter page, I mean, yeah, seven thousand followers from a, yeah, as I, 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 I always say to the boys, you know, we you know a couple of bunch of guys from Glasgow. Uh, you know, to to go over to Australia and create a brand um, like that. Um, so I and and you know you 
you'll probably notice once you do a little bit more, unless you have been already, that a lot of feedback. We got a lot of great feedback from people in Scotland regarding the way the strips look, the way the way the bands. Yeah, look. so I saw the, I saw the, uh, you know, the white away script there as well as nice as well. It's looked a lot of It's really nice, like, and he, he, the club really keeps with the the foundation Celtic as well. You set up your own kind 100%. of food bank as well in the within yep, the football. Yep, yep. You set up your own yep. food bank. You know, so um, food bank. I think we um, also had the Kennel Foundation um, yes. as, as as sponsors, if you want to call it that. Um, and the first the first strip, I believe, uh, and, and maybe possibly the second season. So look, yeah, we we, we definitely used Celtic as a template where we wanted mm. to, uh, as I says, anybody anybody could play. I mean, I think even in the second last year, uh, our Rangers fan came down. <laughs> so uh, uh-huh. and he wanted. I, I mean. He wanted to be part of it, you know, his mates that were playing the same team and uh, as I said there was no no animosity. Um so so yeah, yeah, but no, we, we did a lot of things that the same as what we'd like to think that the Celtic uh, the Celtic brand does, you know, charity, um, helping others and, and and really, you know, open to, to everybody, you know. And Gavin is I, I know Soccer's not the one sport in Australia. More like is, is the Aussie Blues, I presume. But is is football is is the football getting bigger and bigger within Scotland, Gavin? The soccer. Yeah, I'm Australia. Australia. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um. Um. Very much so. Look, put it this way. I know it's called soccer in Ireland as well, but we call it football. If you're a football fan or a football player, call it football. Uh, mm-hmm. But once upon a time it was soccer. I played 11 years as a player myself and uh, never to any great level, but, you know, loved every single minute of it. And, uh, like, I'm I'm 43 now. I'm a little bit fat and the knees are fucked, so I can't do it. One thing, I go football up in my late 30s when I was watching like 18, 20-year-olds just run past me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, just, uh, it was like, oh, God. I, Seriously, thank God that's not on camera. But yeah, um, but, but I played like a, I played eleven years. And when I started playing, when I was a kid. Obviously, it was um, very small. Um, if you're in the in the eastern states, if you're in New South Wales or Queensland, people play rugby league, rugby union, and then they play AFL. If you're in any of the other states, it's all AFL. But the world game, as we call it in Australia, football, it's played in every state, especially among some ethnic communities, people from like the southern and, you know, Baltic and uh, Balkan countries and the like um, brought the game over after World War Two. Mostly, you know, the Anglo-Celtic people played the traditional English sports. Um, but um, as migration has come on from here, there, the other, um, of course, these people play football um, and uh, it's seeped into here, there, everywhere. Um, I've. I love football. Football's my thing. Um, and I, I, I love to watch it. I love to play it. I, I'd give anything to be able to play it again the way I did. You know, I still love to go out for a kick um, and the like and have a giggle, a little bit of five-a-side or something. It's, it's great fun. But there, for mine, there's, there's nothing like the there's nothing like playing on a full field, you know, 90 minutes, three points up for grabs. It's, it's you know, it's what, what gets you up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Matt, just moving on before we talk about the, the, the football side of things, uh, just give give lads a brief about uh, Celtic rumours and how you came about setting up the podcast and stuff. Yeah, just, well, the lads obviously don't know I've had an accident in my work years ago and I need crutches to get about, so I'm actually just, like stuck in the housemates to the time. And I was just posting on Celtic Rumours Forum for a while, while I was just 
recuperate after an operation and then uh, they asked me if I wanted to help them just edit on it, just making sure they don't like all the, you know, the hunt talk, they don't like all, they don't want all the sectarian bases, bigoted stuff to get, do you know what I mean, arguing about that? Just basically keep an eye on that, because most of them are all English and they don't, a lot of the stuff is getting posted and they didn't understand, understand it. Uh, so I've just started doing that, but uh, that's about 10, 10 years I've been doing that and I've built up a great wee community on it, it's a cracking bunch of lads there. Uh, most of them, a lot of them are in the live chat there now. And I've, a podcast is something I've been thinking about trying to do for a couple of years. But I just, just really, it was just doing a confidence thing. Because because of the way I talk, I'm not confident in the way I speak that. Uh, and then I, I mentioned that we, we do we live roam chats for the Celtic games and that. And I mentioned it on that. I'd been thinking about it and the guys were into it. And says, I'd just get a crack and then I get talking to Paul about it. And just all them... But basically, they'll help me, encouragement, and that just did no bother about the way I'm speaking things and just go on with it. And it just went for there. I mean, we've only been doing it two months, Paul. And we're doing it, I think we're doing it. We're doing it, we're doing it honestly, I'm really proud of it and really pleased with the way it's gone. Well done, mate. Well done. Thanks very much. So, we're just going to move on. Excuse my pronunciation, I still get used to his name. It's Ange Pascaloco, am I right? Good no, no, no. Anyway. Oh, God, don't say that out loud again. Okay, two things. Pascaloco, but the easiest way to go with it is Ange, Big Ange, or Posto. Yeah, so, uh, that's, what we, that's what we came to the agreement as Big Ange. So we yeah, like, you, know, you saw Posto in the press conference. What's Posto doing? Hey, come here, Posto, give us an autograph. Or Ange, big Ange. But anyway, let's just go with Ange. Um, Ange is, um, what questions do you have on him? Because obviously we we know him right back to front. Like, um, he's been a big part. People are just kind of looking, like, what's his style? What's his recruitment? And what kind of character is he? And what will he bring to Celtic Avenue? Um, honestly, what it bring is um, pig-headed innovation. I, mate, I, I remember when we went to the World Cup in 2014, and he didn't—he wasn't involved with the qualifying for us. He was bossing it with Brisbane as the um, the manager. Actually, I think he was there at Melbourne at that time. Um, after having just won everything that's possible with Brisbane Raw, and um, we had a bloke called Pim Verbeek um, from Holland, and um, we played two games back to back against Brazil and against France, and we got beaten 6-0 in both of them. Absolutely played off the park, horsed really badly. And he got sacked, and they brought Posto in as the, as the gaffer. And he had two months or something like that to forge a team and uh, bring them about. Now, it's actually there's some parallels to Celtic's current situation because there was so much deadwood. We're talking about this is a team with, you know, Lucas Neal and Mark Baduka and Harry Kuehl still in it, well past their use-by dates. Got a whole lot of players that he, he couldn't use. He then went in a couple of friendlies, got a, a like the best of the rest, um, ran them for a few training camps and took them up against Chile, Holland and Spain. And we went toe-to-toe with those teams. We didn't park the bus. We got beat 2-1. We had a goal um, taken off. Tim Cahill was like about, you know, uh, a bee's knee offside. Um, uh, first, um, Holland. We were the only team in the entire World Cup that led Holland on the field. They got beaten on penalties, um, but we were up 2-1 against them. Um, threw that away. Matty Ryan 
goalkeeper had an absolute shocker. Um, we lost 3-2. Um, against Spain in a dead rubber, we got beat 3-0. But even then, went out and tried to win the game. Now, I, people were saying, OK, against this team, against that team, you're going to be a little bit more defensive. And you just said to them, mate, it's not going to happen. We're going to go out there. We're going to play proper football. You, you, whatever the case, whoever the opponent, he picks a team that he believes will win. He doesn't try for draws. He doesn't try for... Um, he, he certainly doesn't concede that he's going to lose. Goes out there and attacks from the get-go. I, I, I've got a huge amount of respect for Ange Postacoglu. He's got... Um, He's got the respect of like 90% of the Australian footballing community. The people that don't like him were funnily enough the people in the FFA and the people in the media absolutely slaughtered him behind his back. And um, he, he got shot of it, just had enough of it. After qualifying us for the World Cup for 2018, he quit. So, and he was basically in tears. Sat, sat, not, had enough. You know, I'm not going to get treated like this. You know, I, I've qualified the team. Um, we had a lot of draws in that um in that uh, qualifying pool, um, a lot of people saying, why aren't we winning against this team? Why aren't we winning against that team? The fact of the matter is what we called in Australia is our golden generation. Those players like Neil and Paducah and Bresciano and um, and uh, and Schwarzer and the like, you know, they, they, they'd retired. And unfortunately, like with the A-League, um, since it's come in, it has absolutely no um, youth platform at all. It's, it just doesn't um, it doesn't promote anything. It's very good for those who are either some old player that's retiring, like to go into the MLS, and it's very good mm-hmm. for a lot of journeymen in the middle. But it's absolutely terrible for the young kids coming through, you know, making their debuts at 17 and then like you know blasting onto the scene. When we had the old NSL, we had a lot of um, small clubs. But all they could do, because there was no big, um, there was no money whatsoever in, in TV, all they could do was earn money through transfers. They put everything into into youth, everything. So it would come through as youth. As soon as a player looked half decent, 17, 18, 19, straight into the first team. Next thing you know, um, the, the teams of Croatian heritage, Italian and Greek and like, you know, people have got these um, names which obviously sound um, uh, the way they do in their, their parents' countries, and they come and buy them. So they were getting transfers all the time from Greece, Croatia, from Italy, from here, there, the other, um, for, for millions. We have no one coming through. You know, Ange had to go and pick a whole lot of players that had been frozen out by a lot of giants, um, and then, you know, take them up against the, the best in world football. And he, he did a great job. Um, when it comes to Celtic, it's the one thing he's going to need that he won't get his time. He, uh-huh. Yeah, seriously, because the media is going to be on his back very quickly. Sure, yeah, exactly. He, he's he's going to have to come in. He's going to have to sell a lot of players, buy a lot of players, forge a team, and then go forward. Now, you know, we didn't get out of our group. We didn't win a game at that World Cup, but we played some of the best football I've ever seen Australia play. Um, six months later, we went to the Asian, well, we hosted the Asian Cup in 2015, January 2015, and we won it. Now, you got to look at it like, you know, um, this is the thing. He started off with a team of players and in six months' time won a confederational trophy. He, believe me, he's got, he's got the credentials to turn nothing into something. Uh- Chris, anything else to add, or would you kind of mostly agree with what Gavin said? I mean, I think Gavin's done a great job in describing him, definitely. I mean, obviously, I've been in Australia now for, I think it'll be nine years in November. 
And um, believe it or not, you become a bigger Celtic fan when you actually are not in the country. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gavin will, will, will agree with me. Right. You just you know wake up in the morning, you just live and breathe, you know, wanting to, 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 to find out about the club. But um, what, 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 I, what I, my take on uh, Ange Postecoglou is that um, it, there must be something that he's got Right, because look at the end of the day, I think the board have been very inept, and and, and obviously most fans that you that you hear on Twitter or on other podcasts don't really have a lot of good things to say about the board. But you've got to you've got to take a step back and think there must be something this guy's got. Because if this guy was just a, a, an average manager, there's many average managers in Scotland that could have come in, you know, uh, weeks ago. So I think he's I think he's certainly got something now. Um, what what I've been able to find out, um, so um, I, I'm in Perth, Australia, and uh, I, I'm quite um, I, I, there's, there's quite a lot of individual coaches that just do the odd job for some some semi-pro teams and for some pro teams, and what I was able to find out is that um, he, he's been wanting to manage in Europe for, for quite some time, and he's he's, he's really really wanted to <clears throat> make that step into, into European football, whether it's you know, um, uh, Italy or, or Spain or, or England or whatever it may be, he, he's been wanting to do that. Now I know that he had a stint in Greece, uh, but I, I think uh, obviously he wants to, you know, try his hand at something a bit more, a bit more meteor. Um, I believe, and I could be wrong when I say this, and Gavin might correct me, but um, there's another other player now, manager uh, Popovich. Yeah, um, who um, I believe was managing in um, Australia at one point, and um, the, the first European job that he got offered, which was in Turkey, I believe, and I, I will not even attempt to, 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 to say the name. Well, if you um, can't say, don't ask me to say it. Anyway, no, Chris. no. <laughs> I'm not trusting. There's well, no chance. Yeah. I'll, there's no budge. Um, but, he, but he went to Turkey, I believe, and it was the first job that he'd been offered, and he just jumped at it. And once again, I'm only going based on information and the research that I've done. That I think he left um, not that long either before the season or he not that long after into the season. And I think that um, uh, Ange doesn't want to do the same thing. I think he wants to, you know, take his time and really assess what he can do. Now he's a bit of um, a mixture of old school and modern. Um, he is. You know, if you were to look at a, a, even a semi-pro game or, or, a, or a pro game now in Australia, every single guy can run up and down a park like it's no tomorrow. They're absolute athletes over here. I mean, do yourself a favour and watch an Aussie Rules game and you'll see guys that run uh, like, like, like no one's business. So I, I'm absolutely convinced that if he does get the time and the players buy into what he, what he, what he, what he does, the, the, the team will be, will be fit. They'll be fit, they'll be willing to go, they'll be strong. And I think if they buy into him, that's when his modern uh, attributes come into play. You know, I've uh, once again been told by people that I speak to in Perth that he's, he's an extremely modern manager in the sense that he's extremely tactical. He's on the training, he's on the training park, uh, he sets up his team really, really well. I'm not going to say similar to Brendan Rogers, but obviously, as a Celtic fan, we can only in the last five to ten years really have a, a, a slight idea of, of what that must be like because I reckon you know Brendan was very very articulate and I think this guy has got that in abundance um, and uh, great man manager apparently if 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 if, if he likes you then it's just a, 
a match made in heaven. He absolutely will back you to hell. Uh, what I think will happen, uh, in my in my honest opinion, is that if he goes in and he hits the ground running the same way Martin Neal did, I think the fans will take to him. No problem. Mm-hmm. But I think if he goes in there and it's a Tony Mowbray moment and he's just waiting for things to happen and there's no player taking the game by the scruff of the neck, then what you'll find is he'll back the players in front of the media and that's when your, your Celtic fans will start to ask questions. Well, hold on a minute here. He's not playing well. You're backing him up and, and everything that goes along with that. Um, and I also um, believe as well that he... Um, his agent lives in Perth oh, sorry his agent's from Perth and I believe he's based in London and I think it's this guy it, it must, it's Varane I wouldn't know I, I, that, that name does ring a bell I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I definitely know well I believe and I was only told this today uh, is that I? So I think his agent is is from Perth, but he's based in London. And I believe that before COVID, uh, Ange was was in London with his agent, if you want to call it that. And he was networking and he was meeting clubs and uh, doing what he was doing, uh, which most managers do when they're out of work and they want to obviously network. And then um, I believe that he has had the opportunity to manage in England, whether it's been a Championship side or a League One side. Or maybe the opportunity to manage in, 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 the, in the second league in, in Spain, but I think he's waited for the right moment. I think he's waited for the right moment, and you know, obviously, he's part of the City Group. He's done really, really well with Yokohama. And look, you know, for, I'll admit, two, two or three weeks ago, I wasn't, I wasn't a happy man when Neddy Howe deal was was on the rocks. But you know, I'm, I'm utterly convinced that this guy can come in, and if and if we get behind him. Uh, which most of us normally do. Um, I, I'm convinced that he's got a temperament uh, and the skill set to, to to handle not only the club but also the other aspects, which uh, the goldfish ball, uh, the media. Uh, I believe he will he will handle it no problem. Uh, we just need to get behind them, um, and and obviously um, I think make no bones about it. You know, every single uh, journalist over here, every single uh, sports media. Um, a guy or, or woman, all they are saying is that this is the that he is the best kept secret in Australia. These teams play tremendous attacking football, and uh, and like I say, they're fit. So um, here's hoping. Here's hoping. That if, and we're talking here as if he's already the manager. <laughs> Could Fonzo get on on the Celtic board? Right? We've done that for weeks. We had how just uh, exactly. You know. So weeks, you know. But, but the reality is, is that you know um, there's been a lot of talk about it, and it does seem like it's a done deal now. And I, I'll tell you right now, it's, uh, the Celtic brand is going to even it's going to get even bigger now if if he does if he does make a trip. And I'm also led to believe that he's going with um, his assistant and his first team coach. So yeah, he is, he is going to uh, step over. On tongue, on just Gavin, there were like myself and Mark and a few lads on, on the live chat were trying to think like how did the link kind of come between uh Pete and Celtic or do you know anything about uh, how he was recommended to Celtic or in that line? Well, with um Post Congress, well put it this yeah. way. If 
again, going back on what I've said, that we're not getting the whole story. Look at um, what we've been said, what has been reported. They've been tracking him for months. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. Like, they've been tracking someone for months who doesn't automatically qualify to play, uh, to manage in the Champions League qualifiers, which are in a matter of weeks. I don't buy this story. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, but at the end of the day, if you really want, um, how do I think they've sourced him? Okay, Peter Law sitting his desk. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Wait a tick. I'll ring Manchester City and see what they can do. Okay, I'll wait a tick. One second, mate. Oh, okay, is it Boyata or is it uh, um, is it Paddy Roberts or is it Frimpong or is it you know? Um, God knows how many players we've sourced from there. Whenever we need someone, we don't have any idea what to do. No scouting network, no, um, you know, director of football, no one who's really got any idea what to do. Pedro just calls friggin' Sheikh Mansour, and Sheikh Mansour says, "Here, here's my fourth choice. You can have him." Yeah, I mean, this is basically essentially what we've got here. Okay, that said. The fourth choice at Manchester City can still pretty much walk into any premiership team in Scotland yeah. and say, that place is mine. Yeah, you know I mean? It is what it is. Yeah, you know I mean? It, um, I actually ran a poll on um, Twitter um, on uh, my IndieSelt um, thing saying, okay, what would you like to see with uh, relation to um, the City Group? If the City Group bought us, would you like it or not? And it was, I put yes, um, no, and need more info. I think need more info one. Or, um, or maybe no, but they were all about 35%. Uh, every one of them, like, no one's, it's like, God, we, we don't want to be a franchise. We, we don't want to be, a, what, what was it, a, um, legacy fans or this, that, the other. But at the same time, you know, there's that money on offer and there's that quality with them. Yeah, you know I mean, um, the, the, the facts of the matter are that how did they get him? I believe it's a panic buy. Um, but when you've got, um, you've, Put all your eggs in one basket. I'm not again. I'm not buying this. He was our. We've been tracking him for months. He's our second choice. I'm buying. Yeah. They put all their eggs in one basket. They dropped the basket. They wrecked the hoose. And then what have they done? They've gone out there and they've said, okay, they've gone back to you know those that have habitually helped us. I'm not complaining about that. I, I, I just put this off in a little tangent. And this is one thing. Like, should Ange come in? Here's a couple of the positives. One, um, as myself and Chris have said, he is, he, is a, he is a gaffer. He is a manager. There's a man in there. Yeah, I mean, he's got trophies to prove it. Um, he's got lots of them. He's got trophies in Japan. He's got trophies. Winning the Japanese League is a far harder thing to do than winning the Scottish Premier League. Yes. Uh, un, unpopular opinion. There's six or seven teams that can win that. The, uh, I mean, have a look at how many teams have won that over the last 20 years, mate. It's not two. Yeah, I mean, um, or three if you're counting the Nuco. <laughs> But um, uh, at the end, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just where I had to take it. But uh, at the same time, um, you, you've got to understand that is a very, very competitive league. 20 teams in it, you know, there's 120 million people in Japan. Yeah, football is the major sport. Yeah, I mean, and Japanese play a brilliant brand of football. I love watching the Blue Samurai play football. I love it when Australia play against them as well. It's just absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant matches. Um, I was lucky enough to go to Saitama and uh, watch Australia play um, uh, Japan. It was a 1-1 draw. We were leading 1-0. And um, and, uh, an absolute um, 
favourite of Postacoglu, Matt Mackay, handballed in the box and gave away a penalty for 1-1. It's actually something Chris said um, before, but um, Ange has his favourites. He's very loyal to his squad. If you come in, you can do a role for him. Your you name's the first on the, on the team list, regardless of what everyone says. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, he, he's going to be a huge influence on players like, you know, who are very much on the edge. Players like Mikey Johnson, for instance, you know, I mean, we don't really, now that Moy's going away, who's going to be out there on the left? Are we buying someone or are you going to nail that spot down? Because he'll give us the opportunity to do it. You know what I mean? And if he does, he, he'll have his name on the sheet before everyone, like, like Forrest does, for example. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, this is one thing which um, Ange really does bring to the table. He has his contacts in Japan, he has his contacts in Australia, and he has his contacts with the Citigroup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, like he can pluck the best out of the um, of the A League. He can pluck the best out of the um, J League, and he can um, he can go up to the um, City Group and say, "Oh, can I have one, two, three on um, full, you know, on a permanent transfer with a big sell on? And who can you give me on um, loan? We can rebuild this club, especially when you're thinking they're talking about odds on away to Ed, um, odds on away to Leicester for 15 million um, today." We get similar money for Ayer, get a bit for Christie. We have forty, fifty million to spend. This man can build a football club quickly. Mm. I promise you. Uh, oh, just go, just go like that. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Chris, walk away. No, no. I was just going to uh, say in the, the back of that that what what I find interesting is this time last year, uh, all we heard, not all we heard, but we all we heard that Tom Rodgers was leaving. Um, that he was maybe going to go to Dubai or he was going to go elsewhere, whatever it was. There was a, a fee agreed, but he couldn't get the personal terms done. Well, now a year ahead, and there is, I mean, there's talk of Ayer going, there's talk of um, Eddie obviously going, Brian Christie going, uh, this player not coming back, this player not coming back. But there's not been one word said about Tom Rogic. And look, once again, I'm not saying that, that there's, there's any way I've known this for a fact, but. I think that that's interesting that if there's no rumour of Tom A moving on or wanting to leave and mm-hmm. he thinks that he's coming in, uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for, for Tom we actually, to see. Are you prepared to this part of it? We actually spoke about that. Rogic, no, came out just before, a couple of days before, Big Angie's name got linked and said that he wasn't going away with Australia this summer. He wanted to stay here. That's what I'm saying. So, so, so he, may have known, he may have known some things. And look, there's a... There's a, there's a a podcast um, that you'll probably know called Open Goal um, in Scotland and they had a, a Jack Snurdine on and Jack Snurdine this must have been recorded months probably months before even Eddie Howe deal broke down and he could not speak about this guy um, Postacoglu any higher said that his coaching methods were tremendous and he was just a, a great guy to look for and, and I just think it's interesting that Tom Rogers of all, of all players who isn't known of isn't he known to be, you know, head down and, and digging in? Tom's a luxury player, there's no doubt about it. But I just think that the fact that he might have known that this might be happening exactly. and, and, and he's not going. Hopefully he's putting it about the squad, what you're saying about Jack. Uh, exactly. It all gets you saying to the rest of the squad here, yeah, this guy's a real deal, don't... This guy, aye. Aye, wait, 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 take him to see what he does. Just, just, just going on, Roger, like... Uh, a lot of managers that play for Celtic are saying like that he can't last sixty minutes on on the pitch. Like, is he the same last trainer or is he? 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Able to finish your game last year, Gavin or Chris? Not really. On you go, Gavin. On you go. I think in the World Cup, he, he, he did. Um, I mean, I remember him coming off and Funny enough, uh, is it Daniel Alzani coming on? Uh, yeah, yeah. Daniel, Daniel, yeah. I mean, I mean, when Daniel when 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 Daniel Alzani signed for Celtic on that loan deal, I'm thinking, I mean, that, I mean that that guy it was unbelievable for us. It was one of the most unluckiest transfers for him, wasn't it? Breaking his leg, it, then making his debut, breaking his leg. I what a football player he is, by the way. And that's what I'm saying about you know uh, Gavin was saying about having the gems in Australia. Um, if there's players like that who um, move to, to to other clubs out with the the, the Australian league, uh, he's 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 going to have a, a great great scope to get these players because what you find is very very good Australian players tend to not really picked or, or, or um, tapped up, let's say, by the, the best league, the best league, uh, sorry, the best clubs in England. But what they do do is they go to a, an Italian team, maybe a mid-level Italian team, they go to a German team, and they, they really develop there, and they, they're good, good technical players. And as I said, when Arzani came in, I thought he was uh, the real deal. But no, I think Roger wasn't lasting. But... That's the thing with Roger. He, he's a luxury player. He's a number ten. Yeah. You give him the ball, nine times out of ten, he'll do something with it. Because we were speaking and, and, on the pod there before that uh, if there was one player who loved playing in the, the Scottish Cup, it was Roger because <laughs> he just stood up and does one games and did something special for the. You uh, know, he just pop up out of nowhere with a goal like an, uh, the, you know. Uh, if we if just we, go, if we can get the best out of him, it'll be good. Just just go by Bigange. With the with with the youth system being being a shambles as well at Celtic at the moment, we don't have a kind of a clear path for for the youth getting into the first team. Gavin, do you think he's the manager to rectify that situation? Would he help the youth to ha- have a path getting into the the first team? Okay, I think this comes into two levels. First of all, will we get this Colts up in like the um, what is it, the Lowland League? Um, if that comes about, like I mean, I, I think that we're going to have a great deal of recruitment in, um, mm-hmm. in what you could call projects. If not, um, basically, that we've got a lot of players that either have to go out on loan to get any football or have to be promoted into the football team. I think like the obvious one is Karamoka, like. Yeah. Me. I mean, are we going to are we going to just going to ruin this boy, or are we going to give him his chance? Um, the one thing is, you you can see like um, like players, you know, Angie is going to promote 
promote youth and obviously he's going to be tapped on the shoulder and said, you know, have a look at this boy here. Like, I mean, he's, he's a special talent. He'll see them all when they come in, um, which ones can uh, do a role for him. But um, uh, look, I honestly think that not having the development league in Scotland is a scandal. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time that we don't have it in Australia, I can't actually, you know, talk down to Scotland or Scottish people about this because the facts of the matter are my own country. Um, it blames geography on this. You know, oh, we're too big, it's too far to move. The players cost too much money. In Scotland, like, I mean, you can catch a bus to most of those games. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you're away to Aberdeen, you're on a four-hour drive or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's ridiculous that the youth aren't playing each other. And uh, it's um, it's a huge problem. For um, So have a look at your players. Like, even, like, you and Henderson and that. He's, yes, exactly. Uh, not like you double Liam. He's... He's too good to be let go, but he's not good enough to get into the team. You know, boys need um, they need their opportunities. Uh, I remember we were talking about um, what was that? Um, um, Okaflex, Armstrong, Okaflex, and this that, the other. Where's he these Yes, he's already linked with Aston Villa. Oh, Flex at the moment. Looking at him, yeah. Yeah, but you know, this, that's not. We're not looking at him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All the players. That's like. All the teams say see a big development in in Celtic say youths like we seen Bayern Munich this year taking a lot of young players off us and things like so we we seem to kind of look beyond that at the moment you know we don't have like we used to have Terry coming in we Callum Mack coming in we James Forrest coming through lines but no I was speaking on the previous podcast with Mark that we actually don't have a recognised striker in our youth development that can take a step up to the first team. Oh look, this is going to be a massive problem when you think about it. Let's just look at it this way, lads. Um, you know, Edward is, you know, said to be away today. Okay. Yes. Griffiths is in entering the last year of his contract and has attracted um you know attention from Hibbs and from Aberdeen. If any any bid in the hundreds of thousands arrives on, on our um desk, we're gonna take that. We're we're looking at taking Albion a Yeti and uh right. Like God knows who, who's or maybe even Bakun Yusuf Bayer. Yeah, I mean, as our strikers, the next. Yes, thing. exactly. Like, That's who, what you've been going into the qualifiers with at the moment, can't we? Yeah, you know, the truth of it. You know what I mean? Like, who have we got? You know, like realistic, like that. You're looking at the qualifiers. They're starting on the 20th of July. If Bikanjo is going to come in, he's going to have to quarantine for two weeks. Maybe about three weeks. He's going to have with the first team before. Exactly. The qualifiers start, Gavin. Like it's very little time to get recruitment in. In very that little. time, get the gel in this. Oh, it's very little. It's 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 scandalously little time. Uh, and again, this is why. I'm, uh, again, I do not believe that he was our second choice manager. Yeah, I mean, or that we've been tracking him for months. If we've been tracking him for months, he's going to have to come from a country where he's going to spend a fortnight, you know, in quarantine. Exactly. He, then we're going to have to wait several weeks to see if he can actually. Stand in the in the dugout and manage the team. What what due diligence is that by the people that have got him as our number two? Like I mean, who was number three and four for crying out loud? That's what I'm saying. Myself, Mark were was staying along. Mark, what we got? Keane was 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 probably next in line. Roy Keane was going to be next in line. If the house both said that here it comes into Roy Keane will be up again, but. As Gavin said, I don't, I don't believe, I don't, I've not seen Celtic weren't aware of this guy or that kind of kid. Do you know what I mean? Just his reputation or who he was. But I don't, I, I agree with Gavin. I don't think there's been like any workings going on behind the scenes for months to get him in the door or anything like that. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Who's turning this down? Aye. Mm. Like, 
you have to blame the board here, Gavin, like for that, like just oh, you can't blame anyone else. Eddie, Eddie Howe for taking it on, on his ward, like it, it like that's that happen, it happens so many times to Celtic, like taking someone's ward, hasn't it? And they just never learn from their their mistakes, like this board, like and my main concern is about this board now is that Peter Laurel still seems to be involved in things that's going on at the club when he's leaving at the end of the season, you oh. know. Seems when, when, when is his last day? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it this? The 30th of June, 1st of July, it's like right. whatever way you want right. to kind of look at it, it's when he officially do the job. Right. Okay, okay, I, Take, I, thought, I thought that was it. Takes over as chairman. He's taking over as chairman? I'm kidding. I'm going to the fridge and grabbing a couple of cans. <laughs> <laughs> But, but as, as a bit of concern in it, well, but once again, I've got the exact numbers here, but we must be what, 30 days away for a friendly. We must be, what, I don't know, 20 odd, maybe 25 days away for pre season. Uh, 20 to June is, is, I think, is our first, uh, the 19th of June is going to be our first pre season match when we go down to the training camp in Wales. That's when uh, my fear of that is that. I mean, Pete Ange more likely will have to quarantine. It's going to take another couple of yeah. weeks for his license to get sorted, and that the likes of Le- uh, Kennedy and Strachan will be still involved with the team mm. at the uh, oh, at the preseason. You know, they, they, they must be. But you you think about who? I mean, if you were to just play a, a four two three one, let's just say for example, you're going to probably reinstate Barkas unless he moves on. Mm-hmm. There's no get a right back apart from Ralston. Ralston's not trusted anymore. There's no point in having him there. Um, Greg Taylor will be a left back. I don't think Julian's fit. Stephen Welsh is obviously there. Ayer's going to go. Brown's away. Do you really play McGregor as a sitting midfielder? But you want him there forward. Forrest is just... And another thing as well that nobody's mentioned is that when the pre-season games are starting uh, and, and we're in amongst it, we've got McGregor, Forrest, Christie. Um, the Dioros. Uh, they're on the, the Euros so yes. the, a nucleus of our team are going to come back for the Euros and they're going to need a bit of a rest so it's just you know you kind of have this to, to, to take a step back and go alright take a deep breath calm down but um, it's, it's it's really disappointing that a, a club the size of Celtic have have allowed this to, to, to happen um, once again hindsight's a wonderful thing we could have let uh, Lenin go in October we could be sitting here all celebrating uh, 10 in a row. Uh, that also might have no worked. Um, and, and I think, in my opinion, if you were to back me into a corner, I just don't think they had anybody to replace Lennon in October, hence the reason why he stayed on. Now, the whole Dubai thing, I know we've had a brief chat about that uh, earlier on, but um, even though it was uh, okayed by the government and, and Celtic probably spent uh, a large sum of money making sure that players were uh, isolated on planes and buses, it just was. A, I just think it sent out the wrong message uh, based based on you know people not being able to leave their houses. And um, you know the, 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 these players get paid a, a copious amount of money. Uh, they drive the best of cars. They they've got cracking houses probably. And these these players, in my opinion, could have been told, look, we've got a title to win. Yeah, you do deserve a little bit of a break, but we're just going to can it. And once again, to come back and then Julian gets COVID. Uh, the players then need to isolate, uh, which obviously, once again, uh, you compare that to the Scotland scenario, it can be a bit two-faced. But mm-hmm. um, I'm just, I'm just absolutely, you know, 
scurred with the board. That, that's, that's the one department that I'm absolutely scurred by. Lennon, once again, don't know what happened in the training field. We don't know what happened. Players want a move. They might have not got a move. They decided to stay because the move that they really wanted might not happen until now. Um, so you just don't know. But the board, in my opinion... Yeah, it's just, you, you, you can't put all the blame just in one man, Chris. You can't... Oh, I, I, there's something bigger than Lennon that's going on in this club. Like, it just... You know, and look, don't get me wrong, he has to hold his hands yeah. up as well, which obviously he's not done, uh, and say, look, you know, I need to take a, a large part of the blame, because at the end of the day, he is the manager. But I just think that the board in February should be like, look, we've got a great opportunity. We're not going to win the league. Um, you know, we might go further in the Scottish Cup. We don't know. Uh, we're no longer in Europe. Now will give me opportunity to really sift through everybody that we can, that we can interview and we'll, we'll go ahead and do it. And once again, like Gav said, I do not think for one minute that Eddie Howe did not move to Celtic because three or four members of his backroom staff told him the night before, actually, I'm not really going to move on. Yeah, we were I talking about that. Um, we were saying like that I, like, it's impossible to believe that Eddie Howe just approached his backroom staff when the, the Bournemouth season just no. ended. Do you know what I mean? You, know, you, you no, can't believe no. that, like... You know? No chance that would have happened. I think, I think what's happened is Eddie Howe has been given assurances that his backroom staff are coming, but they couldn't they couldn't go because of the whole Bournemouth playoffs thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, when Eddie went to speak to whoever it was, Don McKay, Peter Lowell, Desmond, I think that um, he, yeah, once again, he, I think he's come out and said that there was a lack of vision for the club. You've not know, got a head of, head of recruitment. Uh, you've not got a chief scout. I think you have got one chief scout. If I'm if I'm being honest, um, you know, did he want to keep uh, John Kennedy and uh, and, and Strachan? It, it's just one thing after another, and the board need to do the right thing and um, and, and, and get get Ange on board. Uh, if you if you if you want to keep Kennedy and Strachan for the, the preseason, come out and let the fans know the structure of the the, the club and how we go forward. Uh, because it's um, it's just not been good enough as far as I'm concerned. So, Gavin, like, I mean, looking at like Celtic never kind of evolved with the the modern times of football, the director of football or or head of recruitment, like you know, they, the director of football is kind of it, w- it was big at the at the start of the season we were going to bring it direct, but that kind of position always kind of died out. There's kind of been no kind of names kind of leaked to that again. Again, we thought it was Harkin, but he said he was staying with Manchester City. You know, Richard Hughes was supposed to come, but when we thought that he was part of the the, the hobby deal that fell through, is this a role you think we're going to fill or are we going to waste? Or... Okay, look, put it this way. I've said this for a long time, that um, basically Peter Law has been acting as a de facto director of football for some time at the club. He runs around okay. like... It's not just like he's a CEO or something like that, but he's the man that... Um, he, how many times have we had players like May and Chevette and, and even uh, Bayo and that... They're, they're, they're bought. You know, how many wingers did we have? Ronnie Dyler bitched about How many midfielders do you want? You know what I mean? How, how, yes. Do you remember what Shepard was saying? That, uh, and uh, Roger said, like, how many wingers do I have in the team? Yeah, how many do I need? Yeah. yeah. He didn't sign the player. So basically, that is being signed by what we call a, a director of football. But basically, the director of football was the CEO. Now, when the manager questions the um, players that he's come that are coming in, you know, their their careers are going to be truncated. That they're not going to get, you know, the amount of um, uh, the, the the amount of exposure to the first team that you know that that they'd possibly like. Um, what I think we need is 
first of all, to get the manager in, for the manager to pick his backroom stuff. If we choose to go with the director of football, for that director of football to be someone that Dominic Mackay and, say, Ange Postacoglu sit down and agree upon. So there isn't this friction, and we're not going to see this nonsensical approach to transfers like we did with the McGinn affair. Yeah, I mean, like where we just get the transfers over the line. Um, I brought up earlier with Timothy Castan and, and this, that, the other, like me, Celtic have identified a, a, a good many good players. Like even some of the ones at Ibrox, we, we identified, um, you might remember when there was that uh, leaked team sheet from years ago of uh, players who were coming in and this, that, the other, and uh, we were talking about Arebo, we were even talking about um, uh, Borna Barisic and this, that, the other. Yes. These players came in for a song to Rangers and bossed the league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, like our, our identification um, has been poor, um, and our, um, uh, I believe that we do need a DOF, but I believe it needs to be one that works hand in hand with the manager and CEO. Do you think is that would would it, would would be Gange be the type of person that would kind of follow the follow the board, Gavin? If if yeah. things don't go his way, that he's not able to find players and stuff like that. Okay, this is um, an interesting one because the first thing is in the first year, he has to be given absolute funds. Like exactly. I mean. Yeah, I mean, he, he can't come over here and then be, be given tuppence and expected to, you know, uh, to win the league and this, that, you have, let alone qualify for Europe. He, he's got to be given funds immediately. And, you know, obviously in these COVID times, we don't want to put the club under. So it's funds that we've got in surplus. But what, what we have in surplus must be given to the manager. Yeah, I mean, the, the money that we bring in from player sales that will inevitably happen this um, summer have to be given to help him develop a team that can go out there and uh, win games in the autumn and beyond. Um, that said, next year, um, he might not get the same amount of backing. He's probably not going to get like a 20, 30 million pound uh, war chest. Well, he's building the structure anywhere from that. So just build on it, but get, get the right players in on that because we haven't been doing that. Uh, what we've been doing over years is just basically filling the squad. Oh, I you know? We'll put it this way. If it comes down to like he's wanting to buy the best of the rest, like outside of the Glasgow teams, he, like we did with, again, to go back to McGinn, obviously he's the best player in the league um, outside of Celtic and, uh, and Rangers. He comes up there, what, what did the hippies want? 2.3, we offer them a million. Um, they say, now 2.3, we offer them 1.5. 2.3, we offer them 2 million. Friggin' Aston Villa come in and say, what, you want 2.3 here? Take 2.4. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, exactly. yeah, I mean, it's, it's well in the Celtic budget, like, isn't it, Gavin? Do you know, the, the 2.3, the original place, it's well in the budget, like, that Celtic could have got McGinn at that time, like, isn't it? You know? Well, oh, talk no, about no, it, like, well, talk about it with the DOF, for example, and this is why I'll say again with, um, with Law that he acted essentially as a DOF. DOF is going to go out there and he's going to be the one who's going to be laying the bids down. Otherwise, it's going to be coming from the, the manager. Manager comes in there, has a chat, I want you, boy. Yep, how much is it going to cost? Yep, here, CEO, sign the check. The, the CEO signs the check. The CEO doesn't go back and forward and back and forward with bids. So, yeah. And, you know, I mean, this is the director of football and the CEO gives the final freaking okay to it. Will has been sitting around playing around. He's been 
you know, a pretendy uh, DOF at Celtic, and it's done us no good. Um, I, I honestly think that when we're talking about, I want a player for 2.3, 2.5 million, and he gets a no, um, Ange isn't going to um, toe the line with the board. If Ange comes out and says, I want to play for seven, eight, nine, like again, saying with Castan um, or even with um, Edward, if he gets a no, then, um, you know, he can maybe take his tail between his legs and say, all right, I'll go look for someone else. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you want to come in there on anything now? I agree with that. Celtic shouldn't be scrimping and scraping over £2.3 million pound for players if. Everybody in the place knew how good John McGinn was. We spoke about him plenty before, Paul, but. Mm-hmm. And I've said it as well, I totally agree with Gavin, I've said it for years about Peter Lowell running the club as if he was a director of football, and <clears throat> for me he's been the biggest main problem at Celtic for years, Peter Lowell, and I'm, I'm delighted that he's hopefully picture. I think that's one of the best things that Dermot Desmond's done in the last year, get Peter Lowell out the door. Oh, he's toxic now. He can't say. Look, at the end of the day, this, this next, uh, what is it, 24 days... Like, honestly, he should be put on gardening leave himself. Getting out the like, so this, like, this is the biggest rebuild in Celtic's history. Uh, oh. it's, it's probably bigger than the Marquee or Gavin Indus. No, well, it's since Mowbray. Well, you have a look at it with Mowbray. Like, I mean, we absolutely fell to pieces in the season. And uh, after that, um, basically, Neil Lennon sold Aidan McGeady. And with the money that he got from that, he went out and he bought everyone. <laughs> he bought an entirely new team. That team failed against, I think it was Mulliger or something like that, or Braga, actually, sorry, um, in the Champions League qualifiers. Um, we uh, lost the league on the last, or the second last day to Cayley. The year after that, you know, we're beating Barcelona and the like. Um, and this is the thing, like, I mean, um, this again, feels a lot like the end of 2010 for me, or mid-2010. It's the last time where we had a team where you're looking at it and you're just like, God almighty, what on earth happened to my football club? And, uh, you know, but you've got to remember, within 18 months of that, we beat the Barca. So it's it's not for us to be so down and out. Like, I mean, it can be done. It has been done. It will be done. We'll, we'll get back and uh, we'll win our um, 52nd uh, title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris? I think the, uh, to that is the, the biggest rebuild. Oh, it's absolutely mon- monumental. But th- th- this is the best chance they're ever going to have because there's no talk of 10 in a row. Uh, you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've absolutely you know, done tremendously well to get the, the, the quadruple treble. This is the best chance that we've got to, once again, take a step back and go, right, let's get this guy in place, let's get that guy in place, let's get sports scientists and data analysis and everybody else that you can imagine and, and, and put a guy in charge of that. And once again, um, you know, I think Ange um, has got the ability to control that 100%. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive rebuild. Um, even if you were to take away the player scenario, and uh, just look at the backroom the backroom team it's it's massive absolutely massive just go by the backroom team there right because myself and Mark spoke about this role before the podcast it, it's the, the sports science role right and Conti our head of sports science at the moment was a fella called Tim Williamson and he was involved mm. with the club when Martin Eve was there and when uh, when René Dyler came in he said he wasn't good enough he dropped him didn't want him so he bought in his own sports science Fitness levels went up. Then Brendan Rodgers came in. Uh, the board wanted this fella Williams up again. Rodgers said no. He didn't race him. 
He brought in his own sports science people. Neil Lennon came in because he was under the, the, the Martin O'Neill era. He promoted Williamson up to the sports science department. I think that uh, role needs to be re-looked at again is, is the sports science. You know, mm. it's, yeah, it really seems to be an area that our fitness levels have just dropped. Like, it's going, like, the current team you have with, with the fitness levels, no, and the style of play that you're saying, that, that big ganch players, like, at the moment, they're not fit enough to, to play that role, Chris, are they? Um, I, I don't believe so, no. You know, would you agree with that, Gav, that their, their, their fitness levels aren't up to scratch, that they're, they're actually adapted to the big ganch's role? Oh, look, put it this way. We're going to need to see... Um, I'm not going to throw anyone on a bus, but um, it, it, you know, you're erring towards the negative on it, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I'm always positive when it comes to Celtic. Like I was saying earlier, I, I couldn't write a word about Celtic. Um, for yeah. months. I was just broken. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to have... like. I'm hoping we're going to have an announcement tomorrow. Stock exchange yeah. opens. They're never going to announce a manager um, unless it's going to give their share price a boost. So hopefully tomorrow the, the stock exchange opens and there they are. Um, Big Andrew's on his way. He's doing his two weeks and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think that what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to, like, basically go into an army camp of a pre-season where yeah. he's going to find out exactly who can and can't play for him, who can and can't do the, um, play the roles that he, he needs to fill. And um, there are going to be a lot of players that are going to be transfer listed. And then there's hopefully going to be a lot of players that come in. Because like, it is a big uh, opportunity for any manager coming into the, to, to Celtic at, at this stage. There's no pressure on the telling the law. The, the players need... You're basically getting Gavin to build... The club from scratch again. Your your own first team bringing your own players that maybe you wouldn't have had in recent seasons. You know. Oh, look, this is one thing. Um, okay, obviously I don't want to put him in the same boat as like Sir Alex, but I remember when um, what's his name when David Moyes took over at um, yeah. at Manchester United, and uh, people asked why why did they get um, David Moyes in at Everton um, from Everton, and it was basically because he's a twenty four seven head to toe sort of a manager. Doesn't just run the um, first team. He, he like you know he dots all the I's, crosses all the T's. He double checks everything from the under sevens up to the women's team. To the to, he talks to the the groundsman about how how the pitch is going to be kept. Talks to the CEO about the state of the buildings. You know, an absolute top to toe gaffer. Now, this yeah, he talked along with West Ham. Sure, didn't he this season? Didn't he, David Moyes? Oh, goodness gracious, what a season that was, Tam. Yeah. And we as Celtic fans were raging the, uh, that we were being linked with him. Oh, God, punch yourself in the head now. We would take him back. Yeah. The, like, you know, here, you know, I mean, uh, call the taxi. But uh, anyway, um, the thing is, I think that with Postacoglu, he's got a new um, CEO. He's going to be able to basically sign 80% of the squad. Um uh, and he's coming into an empty stadium where he's going to be able to um, then fill it bit by bit as the COVID restrictions go away. He's going to get to put his stamp on the club at every single level. Yeah. And remember, this is a man who cut his teeth um, in club football, then did four years as a national manager. As national manager, it's the same sort of thing from head to toe of the nation. You know, you were responsible for everything from the national curriculum, um, for young players coming through to... Um, 
you know, scouting every single match to checking everything out. Your, your entire job is to be nothing but football at every level of the so I like what you said about him there. He, you said, like, the likes of Mark Van Duke and, and all them and Swatcher. Like he, he, he could see clearly that they were past this. And yeah. he could, you know, so... Oh, there was, a, there was a national campaign to get Schwarzer and Kuhl into the um, squad for the 2014 in, um, what do you call it, in uh, Brazil. People were begging for him. And Harry was playing some good football, I think, at, uh, at Melbourne Victory. And um, Schwarzer was still, um, you know, he, he was in the Champions League semi-final, actually, I think, for Chelsea. Um, when, um, some keeper don't need their one. Loved him. But, yeah, but the thing was, he's like, no. <laughs> um, these players, they might be good for this, but they're not going to be good. I've got a confederational title at home. He went with Matty Ryan. Matty Ryan had a shocker in friggin', um, uh, in Brazil, but he was incredible um, at home in the Asian Cup. If he didn't have that shocker, he wouldn't have been incredible. Um, same sort of thing. He had like Juric and that, that he picked um, up uh, as strikers and the like um, that, that did the job for him and got the goals and won us the Asian Cup. Like he, He's a man that he's... Um, he, he won't. He won't put a bandaid on a bullet wound. He'll look for the long term fix. Oh, well, that's your first major trophy. Then you won as Australia. Obviously, you won any before that. So. Okay, if we're talking about Oceania, okay, like which is to say, like Samoa and friends, um, we've won four of those. I don't know how we've ever lost any of them, um, but, um, <laughs> but but they're um, counted at the same level as say winning the gold cup or the Copa Libertadores or the. Uh, or Cup America, I should say, or like the um, African Cup or so the be Euros. That would be, yeah, be classified as the Euros here, so wouldn't this? The, the, the same level. Yeah. Uh, just could you touch the there, uh, Gavin, the goalkeeping situation this year has been, been oh, shocking. Do you know, like three keepers in one season. Oh. I never saw a team in my life, I'm only, I'm only 39, I never saw a team would use three keepers in a season. Do you know? Well, like, do we need a new keeper, or do well, we yes. give back her a, a chance, or uh, sell him for any money? If we can get three million back for him, mate. I like bite the hand for that. Um, you have a look at um, the the lad from Ulster. What's his name? Um, he was in the Scottish Cup final on that. Um, Hazard. Hazard. Yeah, look, bless. He's, he's good. He's good number two, maybe. Bain. Bain getting beaten by shots that go over his arm. Shoulder, for yeah. Christ's sake. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's not even like, you know, it's not like, like there's an outstretch and you couldn't get to it. Like, when friggin' Stephen Davis is about 150, can kick a ball straight past you. Like, I mean, sorry, mate. Oh, we a bicycle kick. God, no. Look, Bain's got to go. Um, any money, goodbye. Um, with Hazard, um, I he's young. There's, he could do a lot of loan, couldn't he? Just a, a loan out next season. I think Carazard could benefit oh, from a loan. Uh, I honestly think that we need to have him on the bench as a number two. I'd get rid of Bain. I'd sell Barkas. You'll get, you'll get, we'll get money for him back in Greece, and uh, then, oof, like I honestly have a big rap on that boy from Dundee United. Um, yeah, we we have a lad that comes out to us. He's from Dundee. You know, he's from he's Jonas, and he speaks highly of of Seagus. Uh, yeah. You know, you did, yeah, I think that he's uh, like. Who is If you had him in with a with a proper professional back four, he, he'd be like you know he wouldn't shift twenty goals in a season. And he's I think he's an absolutely brilliant keeper, and I believe he's on a free or entering the yeah. last movies. I was told uh, Mark kind of said this one, that he he's had approaches from from England as well, but he's actually holding off to see if Celtic are, are interested. 
Do you hear anything about that, Mark? I've heard a few people saying yeah. it. Uh, that he seems to fancy the idea of coming to Celtic. But whether Celtic fancy him is another thing, do you know what I mean? But for what you honestly said and for what I've seen him, I'd be quite happy with him to come to Celtic. Right. Uh, yeah. he's, he's, honestly, he's the best keeper that's uh, going. Look, McGregor had a brilliant season last year. I hate the bastards. <laughs> like, I mean, he had a great season. Yeah. We spoke about that the other night. McGregor just easily like a modern version. There's a fella. There's a fella that yeah. uh, that's on our forum page. Uh, JFP. He comes on the podcast now and then, and he said at the start of the season that McGregor's going to be twenty points to Rangers this season. Mm. You know, and he was Monty. You know, Chris, what's your take on the the goalkeeping situation? I guess it's been shocked the season, hasn't this? Oh, it's been uh, very, very poor. But I've got a funny feeling that, um, that they're going to give him another go. I, I genuinely believe that. Now, I, I'm not saying that they should give him another go, but I just think that um, when, when, you, when you put the, the, the front three in front of him, uh, Julian wasn't, wasn't fully fit throughout the year. Um, if Ayer did want to go last year, and then Shane Duffy had a bit of a... Well, I mean, Shane Duffy obviously had the, the best of seasons. Um, I, I, look... Maybe this is just the the, 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 the character that I am, but I, I would like to see Barkas in goals um, with, a, with a really good, solid... It's down to um, maybe the pandemic, Chris, that maybe like not having his family able to come in or anything like that and it, not able to mingle with the first team and stuff like that. It, it would have certainly had a, had, a, had a part to play, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know what it's like, Gavin, obviously, you're living in Sweden, I'm living in Australia... When you do make that move, it does take a bit of time to transition. Um, but um, look, look, don't get me wrong, I, I think what's really let Barkas down is the fact that some routine saves. There was never a moment where I felt as though uh, I feel comfortable he's going to come out and uh, claim a cross, or um, even if we had a penalty against us, I just never felt com- confident. Whereas when Fraser Foster was in goal, you, you felt as if it yeah, yeah, brings confidence to the defence as well, does it, Chris? Does this? You know, you have a good goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, Six games he played this oh. year for Southampton. Six matches. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh. He would have got the same wages. You know, he would come to Saudi, he would have had a chance to be mortality. Six matches. My God. You know? And, 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 and that's, that's funny, Gab, because when you actually look back at a time when COVID happened, um, Fraser Foster had the opportunity to go back to Southampton um, when the season was just about to get called called the quits. But, um, but Fraser Foster kept on going back to to to, to Lennox Town um, to to train every day and whatever else yes. maybe he had the opportunity to go back. So so there's a part of me that also thinks that maybe uh, the board thought, would well, you know what we're not going to pay most of their wages, we're not going to make the money, and uh, we're not going to pay the fee that maybe Southampton want for you. I mean I don't know, but. That just uh, makes me uh, and and Celtic were 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 were, were courting um, Barkas for a year. I've been told. Exactly. Um, they, 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 then maybe Celtic thought, well, if he's not coming on board, we'll just we'll just bring in this guy. I, I think Barkas hasn't done himself any favours. There's no doubt about it. He's not. But I, I do like to, to to at least go. Do you know what? We've been here for a year. Let's get a a, a proper ten. 
players in front of you. Let's get a manager who who's getting back, and let's see what you can do. Because there was times, I mean, I think up at Ross County when we won five 0 we produced a few very very good saves. Um, but I mean, obviously one game's not good enough. But um, I think it's a bit of a, a shame as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, true. Put it this way: um, I was in um, Rome um, for Lazio away. It's like, wow. my God, seriously. Um, uh, went down and watched the game and watching Fraser there, like the command of the box. And this is the one thing which uh, we, we also really missed out with Barkas. Like, he never left the line. Yeah, I mean, he waited, waited for the ball to come to him, didn't go out to the ball. Um, and if he did, he looked like he was in no man's land. Um, so he gave the, the, the strikers the, the best chances for getting the best angles. So it was, it was, it was a huge shame. But... Watching like a player like um, um, Foster, when the absolute command of the 18, like I mean, he, he scares players away from playing balls forward. Mm. Yeah, I mean, whilst mm. at the other time um, you had Barkley backing him forward, it's just yeah. madness. And, and it's funny because I try and put my my, my scouting hat on, and if you were to go and watch a, a YouTube clip of Barkley when he was at yeah, Mark, Athens, Mark put that up it, on it, our uh, it, forum page as He's a great shot stopper. He was very good with the ball at his feet. He, he, he was an internationalist. He played in the Champions League with, with, with AK Athens. So on paper, you're going, this is worth a point. Think but the same player. When you know that, I know. No. I know. You wouldn't think it was the same. I know. And playing myself, I, I, unbelievable. I'm a bit siding with you on this, Chrissy. I think there is a good. What was what was just saying? There is a good keeper in there, and it, but it just it was as if he had the weight of the world in his shoulders. Boom, down. Because from there, you can set all your players up on the 18th. They're all going to be onside. 
Um, you can whip a looping ball in. We've got goalkeepers that don't know if they're coming in or coming out. We've got central defenders um, that, that don't know how to play a defensive header. We've got wing backs that don't know how to track the man that's running through on them. Yeah, I mean, like what we need is we need a back four. Now, Chris Julian, I love Chris Julian. I hope he gets back to his strength. Um, Taylor, there's a player there. If I is going away, we need a, we need a new centre half there. We need two new centre halves and a right back, in my opinion. Ralston's not the answer, and uh, I, I don't know. John Joe Kenny's gone back. Oh, on. yeah. So we need a right back is the first thing. We need two centre halves, one to replace um, um, Ayer and another one. Um, you know, because obviously there's going to be injuries. Welsh is going to be is a third choice for mine in that. Um, he's he's not a first team player. Um, then after that, okay, I like Solo in midfield as your defensive midfielder. I'm not sure it's going to depend. Does McGregor stay or not? Christie's going to go. Rogic isn't a 90 minute player. Forrest on the wing, but he's not a 38 game player throughout the season. You know, we don't have a left winger. We absolutely need, so we need a right back and a left winger straight away. Mighty Johnson and Ralston aren't the answers. Okay, oh. we need two centre center mids, absolutely. Um, you know, Albion and Yeti, um, possibly Griffiths isn't going to be there, and, and, and Bio, I'm sorry. We, we, we need another striker. Um, we need someone, uh, so we need someone up front. We need someone straight behind him in the, in the number 10 role because Rogic is going to play the whole time. You know what I mean? Um, McGregor's going to be away soon. Um, you know, um, Christie's on his bike. Forrest, okay, I bring Chavette back as a backup for him. Uh, I'd like to see him get a season. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, like honestly, we are pockmarked, mate. It's you know, unbelievable to think how, how we actually got to this situation and this, like right. the amount of players and what we've left at the club. There's not even a backbone of a first team there. Like, no, there's so, not. Um, and as well as this, it's going to get less and less and less. But the, there's players I'm talking in there. Okay, I promise you this. Christie will be away. McGregor will be away. Ira will be away. Edward will be away if he's not already. Okay, you, you're talking about there's four out of 11. Um, yeah. On top of this, I think Barkas will be away. Um, uh, so then, then you're up to five. On top of this, we've lost El Yanusi. I wouldn't say we've lost John Joe Kenny, but we've had those two who uh, occupied first-team places all the time. Now you're up mm-hmm. to seven. Okay, and you're talking out of those um, four that are left over. Forrest is, you know, he, he gets injured quite a bit. Um, Scott Brown is away. That's up to eight. So now I'm, I'm putting Sorrow in in his place. So we, what are we talking about? We're talking about um, Christopher Julian, who hasn't been playing. We're talking about Taylor, and we're talking about Forrest. That's the three players yeah. who are staying, man. My God, where, like, where are we going to buy? It's much easier to talk about where we don't need to buy. And out of those three players, Julian spent 80% of the season injured, terrible injury running that goalpost in the right. Um, Forrest, it was a huge loss. Um, Chris was saying about it earlier as well. Like, I mean, it was a massive loss to us. But how, how much we relied on James. Well, exactly, yeah. We didn't kind of see us until he was missing, so we didn't how much we actually missed Forrest in the team. No, I agree 100%. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. have a look at Taylor. Taylor's not even the first choice. He he, he, was, get, he was behind Bolongoli. And then, you know, even when he was getting played, we were talking about playing three at the back and the like, and he was getting put onto the bench. So we're talking about three players that will probably, three mainstream players that should walk into the team, uh, either injured a lot or not really selected all that much. So, yeah, where do we start buying? Oh, God, where don't we start buying? 
Yeah. Matt, that's basically what we were saying all through the, the podcast, weren't it? About the rebuild and the positions we need to uh, to, to, to strengthen. Every, every, every position we need. This. It really is. We need strength in this across all the parks. Squad decimating with spoke. It's just bad, bad planning again for the board that so many players are getting into the final year of their contract and with so many loan, loan players in that they've all left at the one time. Exactly. It's just really, really bad planning, Gavin. That's all that comes down to the board oh. side. Oh, you've got to ask yourself, mate, do they have a calendar? Do they know that all these players are coming off contract simultaneously? Yeah. Do they know that there's all these uh, loan players who are going back simultaneously? When you get that, it's a double whammy. And at the same time, we've got no manager, no director of football. We've got an interim manager and uh, his assistant that are universally, you know, loathed by the support. People want Kennedy out the door. People were stracking, like, seriously, he shouldn't ever show his face. Around. And this is one thing, I'm just going back on what Neil Lennon said. Neil Lennon brought Strachan in. Okay, we lost Duff, um, and Duffy was a big loss to the club, as we've seen. But at the same time, when Lennon said, I didn't get to pick my own backroom team, bollocks to yourself. You were going and picked friggin' Strachan. You know what I mean? You brought Strachan in. Look, look what Strachan did. He brought an iPad. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> well, that's the only one saw it in, in it, that, that Laura stuff. He spent most of his time on his uh, laptop. <laughs> No, but oh, it's chaos. Anyway, anything else? Uh, no, just Chris. No, I was just going to say on that. I heard um, Lennon wanted Tommy Johnson uh, to be that uh, equivalent to what Gavin Stratton is now. So there's no doubt about it. He had a say in it, but I, I, I was led to believe that he wanted Tommy Johnson to be that guy. Um, I think as well, it's kind of hard if you look at when Lennon was at Celtic originally he had Gary Parker he had Mialbe he had Alan Thompson mm-hmm. and then he goes to Hibernian I think Gary Parker was with him he goes to Celtic he probably thinks he's never going to get the opportunity to manage Celtic again he gets his treble treble and anybody in their right mind um, whether they, they thought they were going to do the job well or they could bring their own staff in again uh, it was a no-brainer for Lennon to be off for the job uh, in the showers which I still can't believe that had happened. I cannot believe that, that they allowed that to be to be said out loud. Right. Um, I, I, I think that there's no doubt about it. He was like, yep, well, this is probably going to be the last time I'm ever going to manage this club. I, I'm just going to take it and go go all in. Um, and what happens is, if you've not got people that trust you, if you've not got people that yeah. want your back, uh, sometimes players can, can start to, 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 to wander a little bit. But um, for, for, for me... Um, you know, I don't know if you guys are closing it off now, but for me, uh, it obviously was a, a can't it can't get any worse. Get the big guy in, get 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 the, get the song started, uh, get, um, get 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 the fans back to the stadium, and and hopefully we can we can do well next year. Do we write off the qualifiers, Gavin? Do you think or the, the Champions League qualifiers that could fit like all these positions that we haven't the coming? Fairly fast on the 20th of July, the qualifiers, the Champions League qualifiers. I'm very pessimistic about chances of getting out of the qualifiers. Um, last year, we had a fully set team. We come back from a, a brilliant um, European run, got us to the 
you know, other side of Christmas and this, that, the other. We got humped by furniture virus this year. We're going into it with um with a, no team, no manager, no director of football. Um, uh, what's his name? A CEO has been in the job for. He came in early. and He still hasn't been seen. Um, I, I don't like our chances of uh of qualifying. I'll be surprised if we qualify for the Europa League. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you agree with that, yeah? I think we've got. I think we've got qualified for the Europa League, but I don't think we've got hope and hell of getting into Champions League. I said that the other night as well, Paul. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can really expect much to come out the Champions League qualifiers. To be honest. So, folks, uh, that's all for today's. Yeah. Oh, just somebody in the live chat had asked earlier, but Gavin, is there any players in Australia, Sweden, or Japan? You says you watch a lot of that. Is there any players there that you would? could see playing for Celtic that you think have caught your eye and you think maybe Ange could look at them or even players in Sweden that's caught your eye? Oh, um, not really. We'll put it this way. A lot of the players, that, um, the best Swedish players, um, play outside of the league, um, uh, like you know, in the, in the major European leagues, like what used to happen with Australians once upon a time. I watched Australia play Ireland um, in a, an under-23 game or... Um, you know, an Olympic match a couple of days ago on Premier Sports, and there was a boy who scored a goal there. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. It's a, it's like Harris? a no, it's an Arab name. He's like um, whatever it was. It was an absolute belter. And I, I watched the team, and he looked um, the best of them. He was playing on the right wing for for Australia, and uh, we shut the bed, and Ireland beat us two one. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, 90th minute winner and all the rest is like oh you've got to be joking I love how you, I love how you drop in the old wee Scottish scene I heard you stand there the house I thought it was yeah what I mean but like but honestly um, uh, I'm not sure I haven't watched much J-League but um, the, the J-League put it this way man there's players with just incredible ethic from there and also from Korea um, in the under 23s um, all the way through um, you, you get any player from there. Like I mean, obviously we've had players like Nacker and um, and Song and blah blah blah. But like, I, I would. This is the one thing with um, Ange. He's going to be able to see these players. He's going to have watched them. He's going to be playing in um, in these uh, or Asian um, qualifying games. Like for instance, like Asian Champions League and like. He knows who these teams are. These players are. He knows what they're worth and uh, who's available. Um, but um, in Australia, sadly, I can't really say that there's um, that there's anyone that's jumping up and down screaming to be bought. Chris, uh, anyone jumping yeah. up out of Australia? Uh, no, unfortunately, unfortunately, no, no. I think you would need to look at the, the actual uh, national team, but I think most of them are, are, are very, very young, very, very young. But well, what I would say is, if he's got if he's got any 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 players in mind. Um, you know, and there is anywhere near as, as Tom Rogic, then I think we'll be all right. Perfect. So, folks, I'm happy to leave it there. If, if you're, if yourselves or anything else you want to add, uh, Gavin or Chris. Uh, no, exactly. Thank you so much for uh, for allowing us to, to to give to give your opinion, your opinion, and uh, I hopefully we'll do it again. No, that's the thing. I said uh, I like to thank. Uh, the, the folks uh, on the live chat, thanks Gavin and Chris for coming on the show, giving giving us different opinions about about Celtic, and I'm sure Mark will agree that you're welcome on our podcast anytime. You guys want to come on, we'll arrange it. Uh, 
for myself, uh, thanks again, lads. It's really appreciate that you came on today. Mark, I'll close the show. I've really, really enjoyed that today. Hearing just, I've just let letting you rub it on for talk. I told you that just talk with what you want, what you want to talk about. That. And I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, take care of yourself and remember, hit the subscribe button and smash the like button. Mate, thanks, lads. Bless. Thanks, lads. Thank you so much. Cheers. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Boz and Bovo podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.